Welcome to Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. This is episode 55, Women in Academia. Today's a little different. I interview three guests all at once. It was a great episode. I really think you guys are going to like this one. I'm talking with Dr. Emily Astrike, Dr. Julie Randolph-Haybecker, and Dr. Janelle Mapes. We talk about how women's experience uh, in academia and science has changed over time. We talk about why sexual harassment is more prevalent in science and medicine. And lastly, we talk about how we all experience sexual harassment at our own campus and how we dealt with that and how we're trying to improve the culture here at PNWU. So a little bit about these professors. Dr. Emily Astrike is Assistant Dean of Preclinical Education here. She got her PhD in Pharmacology at University of Rochester. We're also talking with Dr. Julie Randolph-Haybecker. She's a professor in pathology here. She got her PhD at THE Ohio State University, and she also performed a postdoc fellowship at the Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in Seattle, Washington. And our third guest is Dr. Janelle Mapes. She is an assistant professor in anatomy here. She got her PhD in molecular and integrative physiology at University of Illinois. So longest intro I've ever done. Without further ado, let's get going. Dr. Mapes for the win. <laughs> I know how to use Fixes my own the microphone. What did you do? Turn it off. There's a mute button. <laughs> yeah, so this is this is in typical Logan Noon fashion. I screwed it up. And now it's working? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, before this started, Dr. Mapes was like, wait, should you do it in a small room because it reduces like the echo? I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we should do that. This is the 55th episode I've done. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, barely scraped by as a med student, barely scraped by as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what else is new? Okay, so um, let's now do the <laughs> intros again. That was a solid four minutes. I feel bad for everybody that missed that. Yeah, I mean, all right, let's keep it fast. <laughs> let's move on here. Or well, I'll just do the intros after. Um, I'll do it myself and just totally butcher it, oh, and it, it's going to be even better. But so what we're talking about today is uh, women's experience being as a professor in medicine. I want to do like a follow-up episode where I interview um, three or four different like female physicians. You guys are all scientists, so I kind of want to get your perspective. But I've had some weird kind of gender situations. Uh, as a clinical, as a third-year clinical student, I'll share this, those stories with you guys and get your input. And also, I, I know that it, obviously women have been discriminated against, but things are better than they were. So I want to hear like how things have improved, but where we still need to improve upon. Because I would like to be one of your colleagues one day. I would like to, you know, practice psychiatry, but I would love to be like a visiting professor teaching psychiatry at a school. I think that. Uh, would be just a tremendous career path for me. I so, wouldn't say things are different. Yes. Okay. I wouldn't say they're better. Well, well I'd love you to explain oh, yeah. more. So why don't, why don't you go on about that? Oh. No, I'm done. Um, <laughs> um, Shut down. I, I would just, I would say, you know, we tend to say things are better because, um, you know, yes, there are more women entering professions. There's more... Uh, enrollment, um, but there's not necessarily support for women once they get in, into positions, and things have moved moved from the like I, I like to say the Weinsteinian. So it's not so much you know Harold Weinstein who oh, is quite oh, oh, oh. infamous for. I was like, should his, I know who Weinsteinian is? Yeah, oh, so okay. for his Weinstein, yeah. Weinstein, yes. yes. So it's not so much dropping your pants in front of a female student it's a it which has happened to colleagues of mine hmm. um and just outright sexual harassment or even sexual assault a lot more of it now is um more subtle, subtle and it's and it's just as damaging hmm. um so we can you know we can kind of talk about talk about that but there's definitely a shift and I would say what has gotten better is you don't really have to learn how to um, push someone off of you <laughs> at a conference, although that still happens from time to time. Um, yeah. Or you don't have to make sure that there's another student in the room when you meet with your advisor because your current advisor might try to jump on you. <laughs> um, 
but there is definitely, a, you know, um, discrimination, um, gender bias uh, that's that's actually gotten worse in the last couple of years. I think hmm. because of the the national you can't drop your pants anymore. So what do you? Yeah, think? yeah, you can't drop your pants, but you can grab them. Yeah, yeah, by the, by the parts. So yeah, that is so. So we've taken a little step back with with some of the current. Um, the current language that's now uh, allowed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from my perspective, of course, being a dude, uh, like I know that, of course, all this discrimination exists, but firsthand, I, I haven't experienced it. I hope I haven't inflicted discrimination on others, even though I'm sure innocently I probably have. But, um, you know, when I entered medical school, it was 2017. And Dr. Mapson, one of the articles you sent me today, um, in 2017 was the first year that more women were in medical school than men on the whole. Um, and in our medical school class, I don't know the exact numbers, but there were a few more females. It was 52% for your class. Yeah, something like that. And, and that was really cool to see. And, and I don't know, maybe you guys do, the faculty number seemed like... You know, balanced-ish at our school and so I was like okay like this seems like a rather progressive place to be but then further along in that article that you sent me it's like okay in 2017 we have more women that are in in medical school matriculating but only 18 percent of medical deans are female and only 13 percent of healthcare CEOs are female mm -hmm. so it's like clearly beyond medical students like this is still a big 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 issue so I I guess going back to the, the first part of the, the discussion, like 10 years ago or when you first started this career to now, like what, what changes have you guys seen? I think in general, there are more women around, mm -hmm. right? So in my <clears throat> science classes in college, there were more women, there were more women that intended to enter a STEM field of some sort, but you kind of hit the nail on the head there, which is that <clears throat> by the time you get to the career part, there's still um, some subtle and some not so subtle instances of gender bias that prevent women from really advancing in their career path. And so people will say, oh, you know, well, it's because women drop out to go have families and women aren't as focused as men and all, all that kind of stuff. But that's really not it. It doesn't explain uh, those numbers. You know, why are only 8% of university presidents female? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, we've achieved parity in terms of admissions into health science programs and medical school and graduate programs, um, but that parity doesn't play out when it comes to um, career advancement through academic ranks. So most women somehow get stuck at the assistant level. A few more make it to associate. Very few make it to full professor at this point, and the administrative numbers are pretty, pretty dire. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you look at pay scales, again, plenty of us entering the profession, but we're still not getting paid like the boys do. So mm. um, still a long way to go. Mm -hmm. What about you, Dr. Mabe? Softly silent over there. I'm just trying to <clears throat> recover my, my breathing rate yeah. back to normal. Yeah, your heart rate is um, probably still at 150. Yeah. Everyone forgive Dr. Mabe. She just taught a cycling class. I've been sitting on my She's fat butt all day. Yeah. In the corner. Yeah. No, I mean, I think um, I felt it a lot in grad. I mean, I, so this is only my third year here at PNWU, um, but I felt it a lot in graduate school. Um, just kind of looking around to see how many faculty there were that were female. It's a little bit different as a, a principal investigator, you have to run your own lab and you have to submit grants and um, that can be really difficult when you're not part of the good old boys club because mm -hmm. um, the people that are reviewing the grants, <clears throat> the people that are keeping your career alive, because if without grants you can't be a functioning PI, then, you know, they, they struggle to keep their lab afloat. And so it was really, I mean, I lucked out. I had two amazing female mentors on the floor that I worked on in grad school and I was... At, at their desks, at their doors all the time, mm -hmm. um, just asking for just general advice. Um, it's it's always fun when you're at a conference presenting your research and a man comes over and tries to explain your research to you. And you're like, <laughs> <Explaining>. <laughs> you're like this is, yeah, no, I've, I've been working on this for like 
five years of my life. I've been reading every article. and I'm the one that did the work. Yes, I know. I understand what these results are because I'm the one that did the experiment. So it, um, I think mm-hmm. I felt it a lot more in grad school here. Again, we had kind of talked about this the other day. Um, I don't know if it's just because I'm young and I look even younger, mm-hmm. um, whether or not it's because I'm a woman or because I'm young, um, the way that, you know, the subtle differences that students um, treat you and other, especially male faculty treat hmm. you, it's, it's a little bit different. We end up, as women, doing a lot more emotional labor, um, which now is the, sorry, the young, the young, cool, hip faculty member. Yeah. Um, Why are you looking at me? Yeah, <laughs> because you're the one who's mad about what's it. what's happening. I'm sorry that I replaced you. You're still amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I provide yeah. plenty of emotional yeah. support. Yeah. So, I mean, I know all three of us get a lot of people in our offices that just need someone to vent to. They just need someone to listen to. Um, That's why we have Kleenex and chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not something that, I mean, I, I, if it stopped tomorrow, I would be very sad. Um, But, you know, I also don't know how much that's really valued by um, administration, how much time and effort that I Mm. put into just generally supporting the emotional, mental physical health of of students mm-hmm. as I opposed think that's, to that's probably part of the things that tend to hold women back mm-hmm. in academia in terms of advancing in rank because of yeah. things that people care about when it comes to promotion applications um the language that's used to describe men versus the language that's used to describe women you know oh women are very collaborative women are team players and yeah. all that's great but men are leaders and men are innovative and Hmm. Women do the emotional support work for the students, but men are, you know, yeah. role models. And it's, so it's those kinds of subtle things that um, show up in the way that you're described even that can, can change the way you're viewed by reappointment and promotion committees. And we do a lot more service work. When yeah, you start to look at committee assignments and and not necessarily chair positions on committees, <laughs> but the work that gets done on committees, <laughs> a lot of it gets... And, this is not just here. This is it's science. Somebody did a study. Mm-hmm. Um, women tend to fill more positions on on committees, which takes a lot of time, but isn't always valued when it comes to promotion. Yeah. Mm. But you know, when I I think um, the problem is is not getting women into slots anymore. We're doing better at that. It's now the inclusion piece. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was in graduate school. My first lab, I mean, there's a reason I have a master's in clinical chemistry. It's not because I didn't want to stop at a master's. Mm-hmm. It was just that that environment in that laboratory was, I didn't want to stay there for another five years. Mm. So the person I worked with, first of all, was very angry that after he accepted me into his lab that I had the nerve to get engaged. And then I had planned to get married. I gave him two years' notice. And his entire uh, attitude towards me had changed Hmm. at that point. Because I was just going to go off and have kids, which I don't have. And I wasn't going to move forward in my career. Which I have. Which I did. And then, quite frankly, he started to sexually harass me. Wow. So... um, it got to the point where I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable being in a room with him alone. So I had to drag, I had this awesome lab mate who found an excuse every time to be in the room when John would stop by and mm-hmm. and attend all, my, all of our meetings because he was my collaborator. And even when we, I went to conferences, I made we room together because I didn't feel comfortable because John knew where I was staying. Mm-hmm. So then I left and got a you know so I got a master's. So then mm-hmm. I had to go to a new lab and start all over. Wow. So that's another uh, and that was not that's not a story unique to mm-hmm. me. I mean, yeah. I where I was, I knew several women who did the same thing, um, who either weren't getting support or were being harassed or, or something. And so that puts women behind again. You know, they're going to start all over. So that's another reason why women don't progress as as quickly. And that's my chair, by the way. That's Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's what yeah. they all say. Yeah. Fartgate 2019. Yeah. 
So those, you know, we, we were spending a lot of time looking at what's shuttling women out of that track. What's, you know, what, what's keeping them from progressing? What's causing them to leave? Hmm. So there was one interesting bias that was in one of the articles that you sent me where it talked about how, you know, if you look at two applicants, a man versus a woman, kind of, the the job holder or administrator, for lack of a better word, typically views the man, oh, this man has so much potential, and they look at that potential. But women, they seem to look at all this performance maybe that they've done, they, they more objectively look at them in, in those measures, but then they have that, oh, that liability in their head, like, oh, is this woman going to get married, or is this woman going to choose to have kids or whatever how have you guys dealt with that bias have you dealt with that bias and and how did you handle it first i'll say women also have that liability in their own heads yeah because mm-hmm. research has shown that when you look at a job search and the criteria for the position in that job search a man will apply for that job when he meets what 40 to 60 percent mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. criteria but a woman will wait until she meets like 90, 100 percent yeah. of the yeah. criteria so you know, there's a something in our in our heads that say, well, I should actually be qualified for this job before I <laughs> apply for it. And men yeah. haven't really had to, to meet that same standard. And then you get the double whammy when you get on the other side of the table and the person looking at it says, oh, well, the woman's not meeting the job criteria. Ooh, but look at this man with all this potential. So mm. um, there is that. But I just wanted to go back to something you said a little while ago, which is that you had two really good female mentors on your floor. I have none. Mm. which was kind of crazy. Um, my my graduate class was probably 70% female, I think, um, but my committee, five faculty members in a department of maybe 20 total, they were all men. My committee and, was all men. And too. can you define... <laughs> Because some of the listeners and even me, yeah. What do you, when you say committee? What do you is that? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so graduate school's different. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of multiple choice examinations. Our uh-huh. coursework, or at least in my program, my heavy coursework was essentially over with in the first year. Hmm. Um, and so then you're preparing for what's called your qualifying exam, which for my program, and I'm guessing it's similar for you guys, we were um, asked to write a ten-page grant style proposal, uh, give a public seminar, and then um, the, the qualifying exam for me was an oral defense of that, okay. essentially. So the committee is the group that's tasked with giving you that oral mm-hmm. examination. And, and so they that's... decide whether you can stay and finish your PhD, or whether go. you're qualified oh, to okay. do a PhD. So you have to pass that exam to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I did that for three hours and 45 minutes mm-hmm. around a table with five old white men. <laughs> oh, okay, wow. Okay. Mine was a little different format, but yeah. it was the same, it was the same deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a good experience. Um, I mean, they grilled me, but I didn't feel at any point as if they weren't being fair. One of them was mm-hmm. kind of a dick because he <laughs> took out my proposal and I had used the word complimentary in it to describe something. And he was like, well, what do you call two angles that add up to 90 degrees? And I was like, complimentary. And then he said, and you know, he gave the other definition of complimentary. He's like, why'd you spell it that way? I'm like, oh, you're fucking yeah. kidding. <laughs> he was, he was like, and this was on like hour three. Yeah. So I was pretty tired. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that they were biased against me in mm-hmm. that. But it's just a weird feeling to go into a room with mm-hmm. five men knowing that they're going to decide mm-hmm. what happens to you next. Hold their, your so fate. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, so that's that was an interesting experience. And I think it just, um, as a female student, it makes you think a lot more about how you're going to carry yourself and present yourself mm-hmm. in that room, what you're going to wear, what oh, you're going to do God. with your hair that day, oh. what you're going to do with your makeup <laughs> that day. Yeah. I wore probably three-inch heels because I wanted to be taller than everyone in the room. I mm. have that advantage. Like, I can... Mm be taller than or look most yeah. men in the eye, which I think is actually a huge advantage for a woman. <laughs> the shorty well, of the room is yeah. bad. But it's sad that that's, it's sad that that's something that, yeah. that makes me yeah. feel like, you know, I'm considered more equal. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm physically more equal. It's yeah. like a weird thing. Yeah. And I, none of my peers spent two hours 
going through their closet. No. None of my male peers. To decide. Just to decide. decide. Like, like yeah. what do you going to remember what you Oh, I absolutely what remember exactly what wear wear for your I looked like Anthony Lyons yeah. the day of my qualifying. Uh, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Well, I mean, it's hard when you have a short torso, too, to not wear shirts that are too low-cut or... You know, making sure you have like short sleeves because you know you're getting like anxious and sweaty, but then yeah. like you can't have short sleeves on because then you're, oh my oh, gosh, you're exposing skin. And uh-huh. I also, I mean, when I was in grad school, so I grew up in Lynn, Massachusetts, and so I did have a Boston accent when I moved to Illinois. And that was one thing that I was like, man, I, everybody's laughing at me when I talk. I can't have this happen when I give my qualifying exam. I ha- can't have this happen when I give seminars. And so I worked really really hard to pick up that midwestern accent to drop i mean it still huh. happens what did i say this morning walmart walmart <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it's still it hits me every once in a while which is the classiest thing <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's specific things i have go down to the car park at walmart but that was like a big thing for me was to make sure that i because that was the one thing that i could do was to make myself be taken more seriously i mean i can't age myself i can't grow taller um so you know it's, it's more like the demeanor the way that i carry myself that I, I you know put on this confidence and that i can have this kind of more eloquent way of speaking um to kind of help people maybe listen to me a tiny bit more little smidge and i can probably respect. guarantee you that the amount of prep that we put into those exams was well, I remember five to ten times. <laughs> yeah, in that transition between my master's and my PhD, I went to talk to a woman who I admired a great deal, super smart, and she said, "Look, I'm going to be five times harder on you than any male student in my lab because you're going to have to perform to that level just to be considered equal." Hmm. And it was like, that's not fair, you know? <laughs> that's bullshit. You know, Ooh, so, there we go. No, yeah. sorry. We got it. That's baloney. Yeah. Um, and tomfoolery of shenanigans. <laughs> so I said, you know, no way. I'm I'm going to work with this other person. And, and my second um, lab was great. Um, but I still saw inequities in how the male graduate students were treated Mm -hmm. versus the female graduate students. They got more resources. Mm. They got more tech assistance. They got more money. Um, Yeah. So, but yeah, it's the, it's the little things that maybe you don't realize as, as a white guy, what women go through. And I don't know what women of color go through. Yeah. Like I'm white. So that affords me a great deal of privilege. And, you know, to be able to at least have, <clears throat> you know, that, uh, at least all the people in the room with me were white. <laughs> but to come into that as a woman of color it is, is super, it's, it's 10 times harder than, I, than I'm sure that I, even imagine. That I can yeah. imagine. And I, I sometimes think teachers, professors unconsciously <clears throat> have like a gender bias for instance you know there was one course i was taking here um doesn't matter what it was um i bet we can guess yeah. Yeah. but it, i had a female partner and we each performed our you know clinical stuff that we had to do um and the professor was significantly easier on me than the female and it was a female professor and so i wonder like if oh. if females are harder on females <laughs> And like was I've had males. I gotta be so careful because I do. So I was super excited when the CIL, like in CILs, that we had that random Mm -hmm. student generator. I'm like, great. So now that takes out the bias of me picking on the first hands or men Mm -hmm. over women. And then I started realize I'm I was harder on the women. Mm -hmm. And and I think because I have that, you got to be sharper. You've Mm got to be sharper. Than your male counterparts, and then it was like, am I letting, am I giving easier questions? Am I letting the guys off easier? Am I harder on the women? So I've really had to look at that and and tone it down on the ladies. No, yeah. bring it up a little bit on the fellas. You know, yeah. just to make it e- more equal. But yeah, guilty. Yeah. So um, going back to something you said earlier, Dr. Haybecker, it seems like you've seen a transition in sexual harassment between physical versus more 
kind of subtle, subtle verbal, but still, lo and behold, sexual harassment is there. And so how did we make that transition from one to the other? Like, was it Title IX or, I guess, society in general? I guess kind of all of the above? Yeah, I mean, it, it. when I was a graduate student, it, it became more uh, prevalent to speak out. More people, there's a lot more education around sexual harassment, around sexual assaults, rape, culture, you know, all that was really kind of during that time period. I'm a little bit older. So this is like in the 90s, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, it was all that angry women music, you know? Mm. Um, like I said, I was listening to a lot of more side on the way over here. Yeah, pump up um, yeah. Um, And then, you know, it just, it it's moved into this more, um, you know, again, subtle, subtle things like, I'm 52 years old, and one of my colleagues calls me kiddo. Hmm. You know, really? Just let that sink in. Male counterpart kiddo mm -hmm. at this age. I mean, and we're experience wise, this person has a little bit more experience, but we're pretty. Mm -hmm. We have the same academic rank, and it's stuff like that. It's that, it's that um, you know, with students, um, I had. I remember my my first year in repro um, talking about something, and I know this is shocking, but pathoma and first aid had it wrong. Never. Never, I no know. Uh, and it took a really long time to convince the students that I was right. And so I actually went, and it was about the prostate. I went. I remember to, this, yeah. Yeah, I went to a colleague of mine, and she is a prostate pathology expert. And she was like, no, 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 you're right. Students still didn't believe me. So I had to look up the paper written by men. And then they, then they seem to, you know, and, and I think to myself, does Al Brady have that problem? No. No. I can guarantee you some yeah. people don't. So it's, it's that kind of thing that, you know, and, and again, you, women are, do the same thing. So women doubt female professors. Mm -hmm more than male professors yeah. do. I can't yeah. tell you how many people after a histology lab exam will either come find me or like the, at the end um, in the room on the stage or come to my office and argue about questions. And you know, when you're prepping for boards, there can be multiple, okay, maybe this could work sort of mm -hmm. answers, but you have to pick the best answer, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, I get the, I literally had someone in my office this year, tell me, well, that's not fair. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, and I could yeah. never, I can, I mean, them walking into Al Brady's office or Bill Elliott's office. Oh my goodness gracious. And it, and I don't know if it's just that they respect them so much or respect me less or I, I don't know. I but really do you don't. think they would do that to Ben Wilson oh, or yeah. Anthony yeah. Lyons there you go. or some, you know, someone younger? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there is a vision of what the authoritative academic is supposed to look like, and yeah. that's what it's supposed to look like. So mm -hmm. you're kind of up against, you know, serious academics don't wear bird shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I also wonder if there's an element of, like, ageism kind of in there, too. I think it's, I think, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we were talking, I, I said that, and Dr. Haberger's like, no, it's yeah. not going to change. Well, it doesn't get that well, much and better. And I think I've said this a, a couple of times, is that I thought when I turned 50 that the last thing I would have to worry about is someone, you know, man, you talk about mansplaining. I'm an expert in administrative chemistry, and I had a lesser... Uh, an experienced person tried to tell me the basics of immunohistic chemistry, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" You can say it. You can say it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Let it go. And, it's good for the soul. And so, and and even here, you know, I have a career that I came here with, and I'm still having to prove that I know what the hell I'm talking about. Hmm. So it pisses me off <laughs> that you know I thought I I thought as I got older that I wouldn't have to worry about that as much, that I'd already proven myself. You know, I was at a, the top uh, cancer, research, cancer center. research center in the world 
and people are like, well, kiddo. Mm. You're also a PhD, which at a medical yeah. school doesn't yeah. necessarily help. That's true. Um, I think that there will <laughs> always be kind of a tendency to rely more on clinical opinion. I'm making air quotes, I know, that, mm-hmm. you know the <laughs> clinical opinion than on sort of the, the PhD's expert scientific yeah. opinion, which mm. I always find kind of amusing. And it, infuriating. A little infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're, gotta... we're literally trained to, no offense, Logan, we're trained <laughs> to we're think. Trained to do. We, are, we are trained to think. <laughs> you are trained to make connections and just provide a solution, mm-hmm. right? We are the ones that are thinking about drug targets and we made the solutions. we made the yeah. solutions yeah. and you're just giving Applying them to people them. Yeah. 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 Look so, at, looking them up on up to date yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. i mean nothing will nothing like we can't compare to the the, the clinical experience you guys have actually talking to yeah. patients yeah. Mm-hmm. and working through those difficult conversations between patients but i mean i i guess we do it as people with each other but mm-hmm. i saw a lot of patients yeah that's true yeah. in the, the yeah yeah, but yeah, I mean, it definitely was a kind of a cultural thing, not just at our medical school. I'm sure at all oh, yeah. medical schools. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but yeah. The, the sh- go the ahead. Hutch was the same way. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it was the, the same way at the University of Rochester. Too. Yeah, the story I wanted to tell and what what kind of gave me the idea I was like, oh my god, I got to do an episode on this topic. So I was in my uh, uh, psych rotation. And I was rotating um, with the preceptor who. I mean, she graduated medical school young anyway, so she she's a young preceptor, and she like, also. Doogie Howser young? Or I think she went to medical school at the he age of like. Know who that is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 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 she she did go to medical school at age twenty one, so this was a very young, mm. but she had a lot of years of experience. And um, either way, you know, I'm I'm in the clinic with her, and at that time I had my bigger beard, and I'm kind of like a big, loud person. And when we would round with patients and with their families, it happened on numerous occasions where the the patients thought I was the doctor and she was my med student. And I would still I would try to do the right things and introduce myself, and like, I, it it really it it drove. I imagine it happens to her all the time. And I didn't know how to make it any better. So can you guys offer any advice or have you been in similar situations? I mean, I think you did yeah. the best thing was that you acknowledged it. You didn't just giggle and kind mm-hmm. of laugh it off like it was no big deal because to her it probably is a big deal. And she may not acknowledge it in that moment, mm-hmm. but... She's um, probably crying in the bathroom about it. She might be like an adult. Yeah. stall. Yeah. <laughs> stall the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But it does. It wears on you, and we've talked about this sort of death of the thousand cuts analogy, and it's just these everyday things that sort of diminish who you are as a professional. And the patient doesn't mean to do... You know, I mean, they have an implicit bias, and they're just exercising it, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that it's not done in a, a malicious way, but it just wears on you. Mm-hmm. I think it contributes to... Um, to imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, feel like, it, oh wait, I should be the nurse. Really, yeah, yeah, is yeah. This really where I should be. Yeah, it was routine that anyone, any vendor who came in my lab, I ran a million dollar lab, and they would come in and ask for the pathologist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that would be me. Yeah. And they're like, no, the pathologist in charge. No, your boss. Yeah. I'm like, what? No, it's me. Yeah. No, that would be me. Still, I'm still the boss here. Yeah. So yeah, and um. Same same thing, you know. You just kind of handle it like, well, actually, that's that's me, and yeah, try to move on. Um, somebody really inter- uh, was talking to a colleague of mine um, who used to be at the Hutch, and we were talking about gender and, and race issues. And he said, "Yeah, I bet when your students go on rotation, the male students are called doctor, the female students are called nurse, and your students of color are called janitorial." Mm. So again. You know, I'm trying to keep it in perspective. Um, it's, yeah. It, it, we have to sit there and look at at our biases, and look at that and say, you know, I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that you're not the nurse. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think mm-hmm. I mean just taking a second to listen to the introduction, right? <laughs> Is that they just looked at you two and made assumptions, and then the I mean that's why it's so important to introduce yourself by your title and. I know it just in general women struggle with doing that. I mean, you we have to walk into the room and say, I'm I'm Dr. Mapes. Like I can't tell you how many times here when I go to other conferences that I'm confused for a student always. Yeah. Like I was just at one oh my gosh. 
I I almost lost my mind. Um, we're you know discussing, and someone had asked me like, oh, what, like what are your goals for residency? And I was like, oh no, I'm actually um, an assistant professor. And this this medical student, this first year medical student, turns to me and goes, oh, good for you. <laughs> and I I just sat there and I took a deep breath, and I was like. Yeah, good for I you, got out of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, was this at the diversity? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Such that a good conference. time. We'll talk about that further after the recording. Yeah. Uh, so, couple couple more questions. Um, so, you know, you sent me a few articles that that talked about Title Nine, and one thing um, I know you guys are well versed in this. You um, you've done like women in medicine panels at our school. Um, Trainings for all of the staff, staff and, and faculty and administration on campus. Yes, Davis. so perfect perfect audience to ask this question. I'm going to get you guys going here, hopefully. <laughs> so, um, uh, so the criticism that was in this article about Title IX is that the policy ends up protecting the institution rather than the victims. It ends up being affected, ineffective. Um, the university oftentimes end up ignoring complaints of the high-ranking faculty uh, or whoever's being accused of the crime and ended up just protecting them. Um, I half, sadly, I agree with that criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, we dealt with some sexual harassment on campus here, and quite frankly, that's how I would kind of characterize it. What are your thoughts? Well, Title IX's only as good as you enforce right. Title IX. Yeah. So I have a little soft spot in my heart for Title IX because when I was in high school, I actually lettered in men's swimming because there was a oh, wow. women's swim team until we enforced Title IX and then I could swim with my peers. Um, although I did letter in men's, mm. men's swimming. Um, yeah, but you know, it's it, the the regulations are only as good as the enforcement. So if you're not committed to um, accountability and to enforcement. It doesn't matter. So that's, and, and also if you don't understand that some of these infractions aren't just a little bra snapping mm-hmm. or a little locker room talk, that yes, there was inappropriate language, there was inappropriate contact with students, and then some really inappropriate contact with students. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't really thought of as a problem by some people. And plus, at the time of the reporting here, things got reported to four different places but never connected. So, you know, I think there, I think there is, Title IX is, is not bad, but, you know, again, when I first came here, I made a Title IX report. And it was in for a student. And when we went that end of the year, I looked to see how many Title IX had been reported, and they said zero. That's changed, because I screamed bloody murder about it. But, you know, again, there's also more outspoken folks on campus who are supporting students and faculty and staff by saying, no, no, I saw this too, or they reported it to me. I'm not going to let this go. Yeah, I think I, I 100% agree with you that any sort of Title IX in principle is great. Like all of the language is there, but it's all in how it's applied and enforced. And then the other side of that is that you have to have a culture where reporting is encouraged mm-hmm. uh, and where a student or a staff member or a faculty member or any kind of employee feels okay reporting and that there won't be repercussions for that. And um, one of the things that made me personally really sad during um, the, the incident that we're discussing uh, is that I've been here a really long time, right? And these things were apparently going on for a long period of time mm-hmm. and a student never came to me um, directly to express the concern. Um, so I didn't have an opportunity to help them to report that. And I could never quite figure out as I was, I was working through this, is it because I didn't project that I was an advocate for the students? Is it because 
They thought that if I reported it, it wouldn't go anywhere. Were they scared that there would be repercussions? And so um, I think one of the big things that we need to work on at this institution and at any institution that's going to say they're going to support Title IX and enforce Title IX is, is creating a culture where you mean what you what you say. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, I mean, I don't know what else and to add, but yeah, I like that the, the culture of accountability thing is, I mean, is huge. And I think that's the biggest issue with women reporting almost anything, any sort of issue is it's a lot to to do mentally and emotionally. And sometimes it's easier just to put it off and ignore it and just, you know, they students had created a path line of warning each other and, you know, keeping everybody informed, which is good that they're grouping together to protect themselves, but it like it shouldn't have yeah, it shouldn't have been that yeah. way. And we yeah. can't help if we don't hear it. Yeah, but the problem is though if we if people we are we have to report. Yeah. If mm-hmm. someone tells us something, we have to report it. And so, you know, that may have been part of the concerns as well as, you know Well they did report. Yeah, and I was about to say yeah, eventually, it eventually yeah. happened and then it seemed to be more like a PR management because yeah. and protecting the institution and making us look good and not going well, you have and, to tell the right people too that's the problem well, is you have to if something happens you have to tell the right person the person that's actually going to do something about it right mm-hmm. the person that's not going to say oh you're just being sensitive yeah. like i'm sure it wasn't a big deal mm-hmm. so i'm not gonna you send it up <clears throat> you missing yeah i like i'm not gonna send it up the ranks because i don't think it's that big of a deal we'll just discuss it between us and then i won't report even though i'm supposed to and then you know yeah the article is quite accurate because it's like it seems like we are just protecting face and protecting you know making our ranking go up and the you know don't want to appear on the news in any bad light it's just it all seemed like horseshit to me <laughs> and um yeah well, yeah anyway. i mean the the outcome it, so it it wasn't exactly the outcome that we all wanted so I would say letting someone quit is not necessarily the outcome that I would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the easy HR way. Yeah. I yeah. get it, but I don't like it. Yeah, sucks balls. You guys got to move into HR positions oh, for God, a couple no. more. No, thank you. <laughs> podcast um, on HR. Yeah, no, I used to work in uh, workers' comp insurance, and oh, I've had right. more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, different different note, different question, and we still have to get to our great story of how I embarrassed you in front of 150 students. <laughs> Um, I think so, you embarrassed yourself. No, I I am possible. Okay, I guess possibly, possibly yeah. not. Doctor Mabes, I am yeah. a strong <laughs> masturbating advocate. Okay, it is good for physical <laughs> health, mental health, stress relief. Absolutely. I mean, how do you think I got through medical school? Yeah. Like, come on. I didn't Amen. judge you. Yeah. I just wanted you to be careful. Right? Yeah. I, and it, be I careful was not asking for me. I'm a hap- happily married man, but I was a right. pubescent boy still... at some point. So yeah, we no need to go into the story. So we were talking about, was it Meniere's? You should know that. No, not Meniere's. Yeah. Yes. Perioni disease. Oh, I'm thinking Meniere's is the ear. The ear, yeah. Can, how do you pronounce that again? Perioni. I could never spell that. Yeah. But essentially what it is is uh, a penis that's... 90 degree curved? Yeah, because there's a... Well, what's the pathogenesis? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a... You're breaking my heart. It's a structural... A benign tumor. A, it's, it's a, a tumor? Ben, yeah, it's a benign uh, fiber, fiber, like, uh, fibroblast tumor. Oh. <laughs> well, either way, my question was, I'm like, okay, we're... You, you know, Dr. Haybecker's up on stage with, like, 30-foot pictures of curved penises it was quite memorable and so i asked the question can that injury be induced through excessive use of masturbation no that is not what you said how what did i say well, you asked me that's how i remember first, it and i it was something about i thought you were asking about inflammation and i was like can this be caused by inflammation i was like you know i don't quite understand your question and then you said okay dr Habaker, it's gonna get weird no and yeah I went, oh no you did not use the term masturbation. Use the term self-love. Ah, yes. Now I remember. Yes. And then I said, are you talking about masturbation? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I kind of made it my mission on campus because I felt so many people were afraid to ask questions good questions and then so many people are afraid to make it a fun environment that i wanted mm -hmm. to do both yeah and i and asked a lot of questions some were stupid but some were but good. you know what if you can't talk about masturbation yeah be a physician. then yeah. you shouldn't be a physician you know i talk about all you know i had i had the laugh because my husband goes you realize your header slide in your talk just says penis, right? Yes. And I was like, well, that's, that's what, what we're it's talking about. about. So it's get people's attention. Yes, because <laughs> science and real world is just so different. The world of science. And that great segue to my next question. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so, because the article you sent me, another article you sent me, because you sent me like 18. I just, Aladdin. I don't know. I opened was, up his eyes to this whole new world. I, it was great. I learned quite a bit. But uh, one interesting thing was comparing sexual harassment reporting at University of Texas. And it compared uh, any majors versus STEM majors, like science, technology, engineering, math, medicine? Yeah. I don't know. Math. Math. Um, and it was the STEMI ones, so the science majors, reported more sexual harassment. And then medicine in particular reported even higher sexual harassment than, than just those other STEMI majors. And you guys, I guess, were technically STEMI majors. But now you work teaching medical students. So either way, how do you, how do you explain that? Why do you think that is? Power dynamic. And, but why are the power dynamics so different in science world, medicine world, well, versus... in graduate school, I yeah. mean, it was something that we talked about earlier, right? So imagine having your entire future as a physician. I mean, I know it's hard to have it based on board scores and things like that, right? But at least that's mm -hmm. in your control. Something. When you're a graduate student, basically our entire future is based on this committee saying that we're qualified to be where we are or one and person one person one and person because sometimes. you are working for one person so you essentially have your principal investigator who is guiding your projects <laughs> Look, it just polished and up. uh pr providing you with mentorship and basically gets to decide what you do in their laboratory and so that power dynamic is mm -hmm. ginormous and you run into the same kinds of things in medicine so you have med students and preceptors that's a huge power dynamic you have residents and attendings and mm -hmm. that's a huge power dynamic and so at every step of the way there's an opportunity for that power to essentially be abused mm -hmm. if the person wants to so because it's primarily the men that are in those in those positions, positions. yeah you have to remember when you get to those those levels not it's a lot of not a lot of women, women around so and is most of the funding for these science research projects or whatever is it mostly from the government or from the private sector or it depends on the lab. Yeah, it depends on the research, too. I think it, it used to be a lot more from the government, but because of cuts to money that goes to, the, to this funding, I think, um, I mean, like, I'm sure you'd be surprised to know one of my friend's labs was funding by, funded by the Department of Defense. Hmm. I mean, that we've really had to, in science, had to reach out to a lot more um, funding opportunities, and, and usually it's we more small grants. from the Coca-Cola company in hmm. the postdoc lab. Because we were doing some taste research, so there's, yeah. there's a mix. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, academia in general uh, is second only to the military for sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, when I when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, you know. But it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Your PI is your commander, or your yeah. sort of. Yeah, and and I should, you know, there's there's sexual harassment and gender bias that's often just from not really it, so a lot of men will be paternalistic to women so I've had this discussion a lot with Al Brady because you know he sees his daughters right so he sees the struggle that his daughters have and it's hard for him not to be fatherly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and sometimes that comes across as is kind of like like yeah, yeah, yeah. i know i um, need you to be my colleague i need you to be my colleague um and then some of it is perpetrated by people who know exactly what they're doing mm -hmm. um these people have a higher rate of scientific misconduct of malpractice um of over prescribing medications these are not nice people in in general 
So, you know, there's kind of two, <clears throat> it's that, you know, not really understanding, being kind of a, ignorant to, to what's going on. And then there's people that use it because they, they want that power dynamic. They get, they like the power of that. Mm -hmm. like, so. And you're vulnerable because at the undergraduate level, you're still trying to get into the program that's going to determine your future too, mm -hmm. right? So that creates another situation where basically you're looking for letters of recommendation. You're trying to score really well in your, your coursework and you're trying to get ahead. And so um, it just creates an environment where those things are more likely to happen. And then I think kind of touching on the idea that some of it's not, um, some of it's just a desire to be a mentor, um, to be a guiding lighter or what have you. But then again, it depends on who you choose to mentor, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, so I guess I have a few more questions and they're more, I get, well, I'm in a weird situation because I, I want to go into psychiatry and psychiatry is mostly more women than men. And so I almost feel like I have an advantage entering into that field as a man and I think the same argument would maybe be said of like pediatricians. You can't really find all that many male pedi pediatricians. And it's just a strange dynamic. So I don't even know if it's a question I'm posing, but it's, it just feels weird to me. But I think there you, you end up doing kind of a weird gender thing there too. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like men entering, against. Yeah, it's like men entering nursing. Yeah. yeah. Or OBGYN maybe. Yeah. Men entering pedi That's weird. being yeah. a pediatrician. Yeah. First of all, why do you want to be around all those Are kids? you weird? Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think people run into that. And plus, psychiatry, oh, that's so touchy-feely. Yeah. yeah. You know? So I think you're going to run into kind of a, a reverse gender bias mm -hmm. on that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. strange. Yeah, well, and then I guess the last question I want to ask you three is, so hopefully uh, I make it through the last two years of med school and match here. Well, you guys aren't grading really anymore, so that's fantastic. Um, no, just um, But, you know, I like I said, I hope to be one of your colleagues one day. Um, so what would you say, though, to, to someone like me? How, how could we be better doctors and maybe one day educators um, around this subject? And how can we treat our colleagues better? How can we treat our female students better? And, yeah. I think you just pay attention. Just pay attention and listen. I think a lot of times we feel like something happens in the moment and as women you're like, oh, well that didn't feel right, but I'm sure it's no big deal. But then to have, like, I mean, this has happened to me multiple times where like a male colleague would come and be like, oh my gosh, that thing that yeah. happened. And you're like, oh my gosh, what yes, thank you so much. Like you, you, you noticed it, you yeah. validated my feelings. And I think that is hard for us a lot because again, there's that second guessing and that tendency to just kind of like, push it aside and plow forward but I think just noticing and just saying something I mean you don't have to like rally and you know you know punch people or anything like that but just even and it, it's so dependent on the situation and on the person but just mm -hmm. being making it known that you heard and you're aware or you saw and just checking in with someone so in that case when you kept being you know confused for the doctor instead of the medical student just kind of saying to your preceptor like you know that was really that was really weird like how do you feel about that you know which i'm sure you would do well, anyway let me, let me challenge you <laughs> how do you want me to respond yeah yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you want me to do when people um, say that because with the the incident we were alluding to earlier gotcha. i did actually see something and then i went to the victim in this case and i was like hey like i saw that do you want me to say anything and they said no yeah, and that's fine. And it was it was very very strange to me. And then afterwards, I ended up reporting it anyway because um, I felt I needed to. I'm sure they were embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. so crushing. Yeah. You have no. I mean, it's so embarrassing. You just want to be a student. You're just you know, you're just trying to make it through the day. Right? Yeah. And here you have this horrible icky thing that just happened to you, and you're like, you know what? I just I need to make it through. So just I can ignore, yeah. do my exam, yeah. and I got a CIL, and you know, yeah. yeah. Sometimes people just don't have time to process <clears throat> yeah. those things. Like, like it's just too much at the time, and you're like, I can't handle all of these emotions right now, so I'm just gonna 
back burner it. And I so think loop back. Yeah. Loop back in a day. Right? But sometimes all you want is for the person to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you don't necessarily want to report because you do have to remember in certain situations all of the things that come with reporting mm-hmm. and you really have to let that person think all of that through when you're trying to make that decision. So and you don't have to be a student to have these like what the hell just happened kind of moments. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, I was six years into my career here and had a really strange dynamic with someone in a meeting. Um, and it just felt really bizarre. And I, it kind of shut me down in the meeting. I, I didn't want to express my opinion or say what I was thinking. And that's not really like me. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, after it was over, like, I knew that something icky had happened, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And so I just went to a trusted colleague's office, in this case, a man, and I sat down and I, he could tell that I was upset. And I was like, I'm just going to tell you what happened and you tell me what you think. And he was livid, hmm. like livid, and was ready to, like, run across the street to HR. And I was like, mm, yeah. time out. You know, I need to think about that. And, you know, I explained sort of everything that I was feeling and you know he kind of understood after that he was like oh yeah you have to think this through every every step of the way Hmm. and you know I mean the interaction happened with someone that was ranked considerably above me Mm -hmm. at that point and so you know you're you're processing all of those emotions and so having another person go charging in with their sword playing white knight Mm -hmm. isn't necessarily what you what you need Mm -hmm. um, or even want you just need some time sometimes to be like Mm-hmm. What the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, you know, any opportunity you have to mentor, mm-hmm. you know, mentor young men, young women, you know, mentor people up, um, you know, making sure that you're giving people opportunities, that you're getting the time to get to know someone and say, wow, this this woman keeps falling asleep in my class every day, you know, but she's doing really well on the test. I want to know a little bit more about her. Documents, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my story. <laughs> so you thanks, know, Dr. Brown. <laughs> but, but, but it got. I met a man. Mm-hmm. Had to, you know. Yeah. So, so being able to 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 mentor people around you, but also calling your colleagues to the carpet. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be in the moment, right there. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> hey, bro, bro, speaking <laughs> 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 their language, whatever yeah. language you all use, <laughs> trying to make it, you know, fun and hip. <laughs> You know, hey, that, that kind of wasn't cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, I, I don't think you treated her really fairly yeah. or, you know, that person really fairly. Mm-hmm. And those are really difficult conversations mm-hmm. to yeah. have there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be. I know we had we had that diversity um, inclusion week on campus and there was this <clears throat> white male that came to my office and he's like, I've had like four white males ask me when there was going to be a white men in medicine club. And I said, well, it's just called it's medicine. medicine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also... It's called history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but also, like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, I hated it, and I didn't know what to do. And it's, you know, kind of being able to take a step back and consider, you know, you are a much more open and understanding person. Like, you want, you want to hear people's stories, but mm-hmm. a lot of people feel threatened by women, right? So if we take a spot, then that's one less spot that they get automatically shuttled into because they have a penis, you know? <laughs> so it's by keeping us down, they have more opportunities. And so I think that can also be a problem with, you know, with your classmates, with your fellow medical students, if, you know, the men see, you know, or just feel unsupported. I mean, it's, it's valid. It is valid that we don't have a white men in medicine club, but um, we don't have one because they don't need the extra support to get to the starting line. They're already there. Mm. We need to help everybody get to that line so that then they can continue on with their careers. Yeah, I often, it's, it's a little bit like, okay, you're going to run a race. You're running a marathon, and you're at the starting line, and you've um, had a good night's sleep. You had a ride to the starting line and a good breakfast that morning. But some people had to walk 20 miles to get to that starting line, and they didn't have breakfast, and they, you know, they didn't have a professional trainer, and you know, it's you have to kind of think about what people needed to get to that line to begin with, mm-hmm. and so you're not really starting at the same point. Your first day in medical school, 
you all weren't starting together. Mm-hmm. I mean, your first day in Sci Farm no. should have been. Why? Yeah, this been is not an episode about PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a strike started. It's a great course. Oh, it's a great, great course. God, but you super see people good. doing yeah. this, right? Because not everybody comes to medical school at the same you know, on the same level. Mm-hmm. Or even has the same, you know, things that they, like, I mean, as a, as a single woman, not married, I can, I can go home and I can keep working and I don't have to worry about going home and taking care of kids or cleaning up after a husband or something like that. <laughs> Said my dog, which is mm-hmm. fine. She makes big messes. Would you okay. clean up after your husband? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> That's just clarifying. valid point. <laughs> but, I mean, it's something that, you know, <laughs> someone else at, at my level, one of my peers, would have so much extra work when they mm-hmm. left, you know, and they wouldn't be able to put in the extra time that I'm putting in. So it's, yeah. you know, kind of considering, like, I used to, gosh, I'd lose my mind in undergrad when, like, people just be rolling through with A's and I'm, I'm working my butt off to pay for school and doing research and and sleeping. Like, I was, don't do ever do this. I was sleeping, like, three hours and mm. waking up and taking no-dos with a Red Bull. Oh, like, I was, oh, damn. I was, it was bad, but it was like, this is what I need to do to succeed. And that's, I mean, it got me to grad school. It helped me to be in the same program with a friend that went to Harvard. Mm. So it's, it's like, you know, whatever you need to do to succeed you'll do but I mean everybody has different steps that they need to take to get to the same place no don't ever do that don't, don't no oh, yeah. I used to Terrible. regularly drink a four pack I would my mom would buy me my mom would buy me <laughs> Red Bull by the case um, and I would have like three cases of Red Bull in my bed because I'd just be like, doo, 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 yeah. doo, doo, doo. it didn't matter. It wasn't, I, I literally had no senses left. She has I a heart just, condition now. I was That's just a science says. zombie. Yeah. That's all I could do. <laughs> I Welcome to Chili's. How can I help you? That's I all I could do. I on one of my staff because she had a magnesium overdose yeah. oh, wow. from that. And she's cutting with this really sharp microtone blade. Oh, gosh. And she's sliding down on the floor. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. blood pressure is plummeting. Yeah. But women still do most of the unpaid work at home, so there's still that disparity there. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, we you happen to pick three women in science who yeah. don't have children. Yeah, right. Um, for each poor, but all poor pets. sample size. Very important yeah. pets. Yeah, spoiled and important pets. There is still follow up episode. Disparity. I'll get some moms. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll leave it now. It'll be fun. Yeah. Any any last final words for our listeners? Any words of advice? Words of complaints? Jokes of Logan? Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to. I'm just always ready to rage on the patriarchy. Should I say it's, have a nice life? It's been yeah. like an hour since you've said patriarchy. I know. So I, didn't I, would like, month, I would like it to be noted that at 8.06 p.m. on Monday, December 2nd, I did not say patriarchy first. In this conversation, it was you. <laughs> I will, I will Do you own that. a fuck the patriarchy? <laughs> I own a Tears of the Patriarchy mug, which Dr. Haberger um, gifted me. We um, all have a collection of feminist mugs. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. We have to express our. I think yeah. just, you know, for women, find a support system. Mm-hmm. Find women that can. Even just be around when you complain about things that happen. Or men. Or men. Um, but, I, you know, I think women have There's a better understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so girl gang, you find a male <laughs> ally. So Al Brady, is, he's amazing, well-respected old white man here on campus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love him. He is awesome. And he is always there for me to to say those things and and even some other colleagues will you know make those comments or defend me in meetings um when things come up or or, you know um someone says something to me that you know is unwarranted so i think um you know having support um from both sides is important and i think for guys just pay attention just pay closer attention um and just start noticing things that people do and start noticing your own behavior is just a great first step. I mean, the changing of the behavior um, could happen later, and no one wants to change anybody's mind. If you think that women are inferior, then whatever. But just don't be an asshole. <laughs> like, don't, don't be an, be an asshole, asshole and do, do your, your job. job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say um, 
If you haven't read the Feminist Fight Club, oh, yeah. I have not. Read the Feminist Fight Club. Okay. And take it as an opportunity to really get to know yourself, mm. because you can be your own worst enemy and not even know that you're doing it. Mm. Um, stop apologizing all the time, and if you are a woman. <laughs> Be there for other women. Um, it's not a competition. We all, to quote Michelle Obama or someone luminary and much, much smarter and more dynamic than myself, we all rise together. Mm. Uh, and and I think that that's really true. So um, we, we have enough problems trying to make our way against the tide of men. Don't fight one another. Um, mm. Yeah, so if you haven't read the Feminist Fight Club, that's that's my No pink on pink violence. No, yeah. Oh god. I hate that term so much. Pink on pink. I've never heard oh, of that term. Pink on pink that's violence. pretty funny. Pink, on pink aggression. Yeah. I think um to you know, knowing that other people ha have similar experiences. So, you know, to to not be afraid when you have those icky moments to talk to someone about it. Um and you know, you have three you have three women here who, if something's going on, or if you have a question, like if you're a guy and you're like, I don't know, did I do a thing? I, mm -hmm. Yeah, you can talk to one of us and we can yeah. say, what is the patriarchy yeah. of yeah. Africa? Yeah. Yeah. Why does everybody privilege? hate me? Yeah. Yeah. We don't hate privilege. you. <laughs> or, you know, I have this thing. How, how do I can be alone in a room with a woman anymore? <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, oh <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, just, you can. Don't, just don't be weird. Don't on them or sit cold. Get out. Um, but yeah, but reach out and you know, any any one of us, you know, we can we can hear what's going on and and help you out and and support each other. Yeah, yeah feminism. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, this has been a pleasure. Thank you three <laughs> for coming on. It's Thank been you. super super fun. Yeah. Um, if any of the listeners have any questions, reach out to me and I can forward those along to you. Heck yeah. But yeah, enjoy your, what day is it? Monday? Monday. 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 December Monday. 2nd. Are the Vikings winning? <clears throat> uh, no, they are not. Thank oh, okay. you, Logan. But they, they, my brother says, we may not be out of this dot, dot, dot. So well, go Vikings. That's what cool. I thought last night. And yeah. that wasn't quite the case. Yeah, it's okay. So. The Patriots, you know, we only care about the playoffs. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. My That's professional team. We would team. just like to make it there. Yeah. yeah. My professional team, the Ohio State University football team. Oh, I'm pretty sure they can oh, beat uh, most NFL teams at this point. Headed yeah. into probably the national championship. They can certainly there beat the Dolphins. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably. The and we don't cheat. Like See, women in academia. I say, and I... in the podcast talking about football. Oh, I didn't, didn't think of that. Have we, have we developed this as a coping mechanism to make ourselves fit in with the men, though? Yeah. God. No, Sports. I do like football. Women brains. I like doing football. Balls. I like doing football. Mm. Yeah. Tiger Woods. Uh, I like the This is still all on the record. Again, okay. <laughs> I would like it to be noted that I didn't take it. But God, I'm doing so well here today. Okay. All right. Now, to show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got Geico, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. Geico will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. Geico. Great service, without all the drama. In the U.S. Army, you can make a choice to make your mark. With over 200 fields to choose from, you can join forces with us and take on anything. Visit GoArmy.com to answer, what's your warrior?